This is Crown Countdown U Radio, Canada's home for college sports on the TSN Radio Network. studio in beautiful downtown Port Kells, British Columbia. We can say that on, on, on the podcast. Uh, well, I think if Port Kells technically existed still, uh, it, this wouldn't be downtown Port Kells. We're there about, is no doubt. Well, the downtown we're about six about, blocks from the, from the main intersection in Port Kells. Yeah, the, the angular intersection <laughs> yeah. that's up there. Uh, anyway, this is the uh, Crown Gridiron Nation uh, podcast. I'm Jim Mullen. He's Gord Randall. And we are heading into championship week for uh, U Sports. We're just coming out of the uh, Canadian Bowl. Uh, let's talk a bit about the Canadian Bowl. You weren't there. You were stateside. I was uh, at Canadian Bowl for three days. Um, and uh, saw a compelling second half after really somewhat of a lackluster uh, first half. Some really good defense uh, in, in the first half of that game. Uh, frankly, a game that the Langley Rams should have won if they could have executed in a, in a on maybe two or three extra plays uh, in that game. A lot of flags uh, that took some yardage off the field. Uh, but I think the most encouraging thing is uh, Little McLeod Park uh, that was developed, ooh, I'd say about eight years ago out in Langley. It was full and the rain was coming down. People were sitting in the rain. They, mm-hmm. Uh, up on the top terrace, it was three deep uh, along the rail where uh, where I was. Uh, the, the community was rallied, and they showed up, and which is which is significant considering there were some uh, high school football semifinals going on down at the dome. I uh, I do believe at the same time. So that including the, the, one involving Langley Secondary School. Yeah, yeah. So so to, so to get numbers over three thousand in a park that seats about. 25, 2600 was uh, was significant, and uh, you know uh, the uh, road team won, and the and the Leviathan uh, once again swallowed everybody whole, and in, in the uh, in being the um, uh, Saskatoon Hilltops. Uh, but uh, I think it was a good day for junior football, and Lord knows junior football needs some good days. Uh, yeah, they do, and and I mean also the one of the things that uh, has been a really positive development this year is that. Uh, the football community in Langley. Now, I, I don't hold any specific loyalty to Langley. I do live there now, uh, although I grew up elsewhere. But um, Langley Secondary Schools in their in the provincial semifinal in their in their tier, they're still going. They've had their this is their officially their best season, I believe, ever. Um, the Rams again in the Canadian Bowl. They ran roughshod over the BCFC. They're clearly the second best team in the country, mm-hmm. junior wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Langley Community Football is is growing into a powerhouse at the upper levels. Uh, Langley community football is at the lower levels, so uh, there's there's a lot of good ball being played in Langley, and uh, it doesn't surprise me because the demographics line up with what should be the demographics of a strong football area, and I think it's been underserved for a while. So it was nice to see the community come out to their beautiful facility there. It's and, a great little facility, the, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. in the heart of Langley, and 
Well, it has hosted world championships. <laughs> well, the Women's World Championship <laughs> yeah. in 2017. That's right, yeah. Uh, but I do have to give credit uh, to Dana Matheson, who yep. uh, runs C&D Logistics. He was on his feet. Every time I saw him, he was running around, you know, stuffing boxes in the trucks, rallying people around. That guy but, is that guy is incredibly invested in that club, yeah. not only financially, but but in ter- emotionally and in terms of effort. I mean, I, I got to give full credit to him. And, and a guy that maybe doesn't get the press that he deserves outside of this local area or even in this local area for some of the philanthropic endeavors he does outside of the Langley Rams as well. Does yeah, a whole bunch it's more of work. than just football for him. Yeah, it does a whole bunch of work supporting inner city kids, uh, underprivileged kids, uh, food bank work, all sorts of stuff. A, a really, really good guy. And he's also been a big sponsor of his company, at least, of the BC Lions for a lot of years as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, the, the Lions need a helping hand, literally, even though they're a private enterprise. And I think... CND Logistics stepping up and, and being a partner with them has been uh, uh, one of the few business positives uh, that they've had along the way. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Dana with the Yeoman's effort. And, and quite frankly, you know, uh, meeting the uh, leaders of uh, junior football, they're, they're, a, they're an organization across this country that is trying and they're doing it with bailing wire. Uh, in terms of resources. And I think one positive move that uh, they made is finally entertaining the the concept, they're sending it up to their board, of um, bringing in global players onto mm-hmm. their rosters. Because w- one of the things that they've come across now is the challenge of stocking a full roster, especially in Ontario. Yep. And BC has to import players too, because our, our minor system uh, you know, junior is generally a third choice from yep. NCAA uh, down to U Sports, and then finally, when you get down to um, uh, when you get down to the uh, junior level, you know, you've got a place like Kamloops that has a BCFC team and only one high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty. You got to bring your you got to bring your players in from Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Alberta and all over to to yep. actually patch together something that works like a team. So. Uh, the idea of bringing in uh, global players uh, who don't have to pay tuition if they want to try football in Canada, uh, you can put them up in billet homes, uh, and then after the season's over with, they can go back to their education in Europe, is not a bad thing. Nope, it's it's not, and it's another trickle-down effect of the CFL 2.0 initiative, I would say, that people are getting this idea in their head and going, hang on, maybe there's some some potential here, and, and that also provides a potential big positive for the CFL itself. CFL has long held strong relations with junior football. They've had regional exemptions and all sorts of very junior friendly rules put in play. And and we're seeing more and more that guys are coming, there are guys coming out of junior that are able to be impactful CFL players right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew Harris is obviously a legend in uh, in junior football circles, but and, but that's been a number of years since he's come out. But I mean, I, I look at Javon Katoy, yeah. a good example. Lions guy, rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, a good example of a guy who just came out recently and was immediately not only a starting caliber CFL receiver, but a pretty good one. Well, um, well we know Shaq Johnson from being uh, the rookie of the year in U Sports at McGill, and then he transferred over to... Uh, Western, but he finished. London Beefeaters. Yeah, playing with the London Beefeaters. So he used uh, uh, junior football as a place to develop. Levi Noel with the the, uh, Toronto Argonauts is another case. He went down and played with Windsor AKO after uh, deciding that uh, the U of T uh, uh, demanding academic school wasn't a fit for him. Mm -hmm. I think think junior has its role uh, in terms of 
you know, in, in with the football factories of the United States, you can bury the odd non-student within an institution. You can't do that in youth sports. Nope. So, so there is a useful role for those who want to be in the trades or want to work at the same time. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or not well suited for uh, university sports. Yeah, and, and, and we, like, I, and I, I do this, I'm as guilty of this as anyone at times, but, you know, we, there are some of us that like to live in this kind of fantasy world that has, you know, all of our professional football players being, you know, scholastic learners and, and productive, you know, all around people who Great are well educated and stuff like yeah. that. And, it's, and that's, that's all well and good, but the reality is, like, you know, I work with kids in high school. There are kids for whom school is just, it just doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. You know, sitting still, reading books, that kind of thing, it's just not really their thing. They're more hands-on oriented people. Frankly, that skill set probably translates to a football field better in a lot of ways anyway. So yeah, th there needs to be a home for these guys. And, and you're right, that's where that's where junior has its value. And it's not, not the life path that would work for me or, or not necessarily one that I would recommend for my own kids. But I understand that there are, um, people who, um, you know, that for whom that that is just a far better option, and they are far more likely to achieve success doing that. Well, they talk about 30 30 30 in, in junior football, and what they mean is like if you take a look at a roster of 90, you generally you want 30 who are still going to university. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Regina Thunder are building up a scholarship program where they can send about five or six to the University of Regina, yeah. Rather than playing for the Regina Rams, they, they can actually offer a better scholarship package than what U Sports has to offer. Mm -hmm. uh, the Saskatoon Hilltops offer a great scholarship package, so they're not slacking in terms and of that, what, they're, what they're offering. And that, in talking to a number of junior coaches out west here in both the PFC and the VCFC, um, has provided one of the big dividing lines between the top level junior teams and the bottom level junior teams. Yeah. It's been that connection to a university and that ability to offer their players uh, either job prospects or connection to a university. Calgary Colts, for example, mm -hmm. I know are currently working on one but do not have a current arrangement with one of the universities in town. Mm -hmm. uh, that's become something that is... Talking I think Mount is, Royal, right? Yeah, they yeah. are talking about Mount no. Royal, yeah. yeah. Um, they don't have anything yet, but they, they told me they were confident they have something coming up soon, but they're finding that that's one of their limiting factors. They don't have the ability to offer their kids at least some connection to a, to a university education through their program as well. Yeah, and so the other two 30s are, you know, 30, 30 players that, uh, that work, that, mm -hmm. that, that need to go out there and make ends meet. Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously, educations are expensive, and sometimes you can dive into the workforce mm -hmm. uh, at an earlier age. And then, and then the uh, other thirty are trade schools, mm -hmm. and we don't have that layer of uh, of athletics built up around uh, trade schools and technical institutions in this country. No, we just don't. Like basketball, there's a pocket of it in, mm -hmm. in places here or there. You know, the well, it, they, the they don't call it UOIT anymore, do they? They call it no. I it's an it's OUA Ontario school Tech. now. Yeah, I think it's yeah. called Ontario Tech. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 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 Nonetheless, yeah, that's that's the one that plays big time sports. I mean, BCIT out here is is I think the third largest institution in the province, but mm -hmm. uh, has no athletics whatsoever. No, in Kwantlen, uh three years ago, they yeah. they shut down all of their athletics, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, um, you know, maybe it's justified, maybe it isn't. I think it's an essential part of student life. But when you're dealing with a commuter campus, it's really hard to create that campus community around that. Very much so. Uh, Let's look ahead to the Vanier Cup. Here's a question for you. Are you excited? Uh, <laughs> probably less so than I've been in a number of years. I mean, I, um, you mentioned off the top of the podcast, but I, uh, my girlfriend and I both just needed a, 
a mental break and a change of scenery. So we uh, we booked last minute and jetted down to Seattle for the weekend. And, nice. and I spent the majority of the weekend engaging with as little football as possible um, for her for her benefit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't want to go leave town and then sit there plunked in front of a, that's, a that's TV screen the do. whole time. Yeah. Now, that yeah. being said, like early Saturday and Sunday morning before we went out somewhere and we were having our coffee and got breakfast up to the room and stuff like that. Check and yes, it. the TV yeah. was definitely yeah, yeah. tuned to say the beginning of the Oklahoma State game, for example. Um, but um, I kind of disengaged for the weekend and I, I honestly, like, I didn't miss it all that much. <laughs> and no. there's a lot of factors behind that. One of them being that it's 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 been a long season, a long fall for me and I've been fully immersed in football from top to bottom. So just having that little bit of a break, I mean, Jim, like, you know this firsthand, but for the benefit of our listeners, like, I'm a high school head coach, so I'm fully, fully immersed in that world. You know, I, I, I dabble a little bit when we, we work with the CFC guys a little bit as well, So we're keep, and we did last year as well, so I'm keeping an eye on some of the prospects across the country and some of their rankings. Uh, very into college ball on both sides of the border because of this show. You know, I'm a fantasy guy. I play the NFL thoroughly, and, I mean, t- the CFL's taking a slight backseat for me because there's so much competition for my attention, but mm-hmm. I'm always keeping an eye on that as well. And I mean, like it's a lot, it's mm-hmm. in you, hot and heavy 24 seven. And it, it's, sometimes you just get to a point where you need to disengage just a little bit. And and frankly, like uh, you say this all the time, conference championship weekend is is probably the peak of the U sports season just about every year. I think it is, yeah. Um, I knew the Mac Calgary game was gonna be a good competitive game. Had I stayed home, I would have been glued to that for sure. Um, but like, I wasn't overly enthused about the other national semifinal. And I mean, this is an ongoing problem in U sports is that one of your two national semifinals, your flagship games, that's one third of your flagship games are a complete and abject disaster every year. And, and, and I did mention on our program this week, you know, I do think that actually as, as sad as that sounds, I do think that Acadia's performance last weekend actually represented a bit of improvement. No, oh, I agree. Um, yeah. Because in, in previous years, the AUS teams have not been competitive on either side of the ball. Well, what, uh, what, what did I say to you um, uh, off camera? And I think I said it to Mike too. I said a victory in the UTech Bowl would be a one-score game at halftime for Acadia. Mm-hmm. And not only did they give us a one-score game, but they didn't let Montreal in the end zone either. Yep. So there, there's your victory. There's your moral victory. Yeah. And, and you knew that that you know Montreal coming off an emotional win. Uh, knowing that uh, they could probably pop this thing in the second gear and not a- any more of a gear, uh-huh. could could win this game. They're going to go light in the first, then a little bit of a reckoning point at halftime, then they turn on the Jets in the second half. Hopelessly predictable. I mean, yes and no. Yes and no in that, like, it, it forced Montreal to make a quarterback change to get going. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it, I think as much as uh, Acadia forced it, the wind forced it too. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, you know, of the uh, really lopsided scores in the past three years, it's also worth knowing the AUS has hosted that game uh, all three times, haven't they? Uh, no, they alternate. Okay, so yeah. They, yeah, they've hosted that game two yeah. of the three times, yeah. though, because I yeah. remember the one with Western punting from their 27. Well, that was because was, of the court case was and in, all that. that I mean, it, it, that. that thing just, I mean, that, it, in fairness to the AUS, um, at least the players and the coaches on the field, uh, that was an anomaly that was caused by other factors. Totally. No, I understand. I'm just, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, uh, I, I feel for the people who are in the AUS, though, because if you look uh, systemically, like, 
what hope do they really have of, of being truly competitive with the other, these other conferences? You might have a transcendent team every now and then that, that can play up to that level, but I mean, you've got uh, a lack of numbers in your local area to, to recruit from. Same thing I was just explaining with Kamloops and, and the BCFC. They, 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 there's not enough players here got a lack for, of, for a six-team league. Yeah, you've got a lack of size towns, in and the, they have the same problem. They yeah. have the same problem in Atlanta, Canada. Yeah, you've got a lack of size in the university and, by extension, a lack of funding as well. And I mean, you know, Tuition is sky high in Atlanta, Canada. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's been the case for a long time. That's been the case since I came out of high school, which was... Uh, 13 years ago now. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, uh, there's a lot working against them. And it's too bad because you, you alluded to it, but I mean, the number of number of coaches that are or have been in the Atlantic Conference that are fantastic coaches and good people, you know, Jeff Cummins obviously is the top of that list, the Acadia coach who's been there for, I don't know, 25 years now, something like that. Mm -hmm. He's been there mm -hmm. a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Really good guy. You know, Steve Samara was in that, that conference Gary for Waterman. a while. Yep. Gary Waterman's been there for a long yep. time. He's been really good at St. FX. Of course, Blake Neal developed his reputation coming out of there as well. Exactly. So. Uh, uh, one thing that uh, I ran into Blake Neal, uh, actually, at the uh, Canadian Bowl, and one thing that he wants to do, and I find this interesting, is he's, he's proposing to... Canada West that they do away with exhibition games because exhibition games are generally costly. Take that money that's put into exhibition games and invest it into officiating. Hmm. Your thoughts on that? I, I think it's an interesting idea for sure. And that doesn't necessarily surprise me in that UBC did not play an exhibition game this year and has, I mean, if, for his program out here being so geographically removed from everybody else, that's always been a challenge for them ever since SFU has, has no longer been accessible for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I know even dating back to Sean Olson being in town, like they, they went and played a junior college in California Memorial one college, year. Home and home, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and they've had to get creative a few times with that. They managed to convince Manitoba to come out and play in Victoria the one year. Uh, they went all the way out to Quebec City one year because they said, well, heck, if we're going to fly anyway, might as well go somewhere different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I in fact, I think of the six Canada West teams, only two of them actually played an exhibition game this year, That's if I right. remember and correctly. And it showed a bit, too, quite frankly. It did, yeah. uh, and, I, and I worry about the effect it'll have on the quality of the play. But, um, I, I see, the, the thing in the Canada West, and, and the, this comment won't surprise you, I don't think, but the thing in the Canada West isn't so much the quality of fishing across the board, it's the inconsistency throughout the province. Or throughout the conference, I mean. Well, and that's something that you're going to struggle with. It's city to city. Yeah. So, so there, there are literally styles. Yes. And, and, and tendencies. City and they're very city. diverse because you're so geographically removed. And, and so I think one of the efforts behind this is to be able to take some of your leading officials and bring them out to Vancouver, put them on a plane, move, move them between cities, mm -hmm. mix the crews up, like, like create a level standard yep. for officiating and, and make it attractive enough so it's something that younger officials aspire to as well. There, there, there's a levelness to the OUA, there's a levelness to the AUS, mm -hmm. and there's one to the RSEQ. You don't get that in the Canada West. No, you don't, and, and that's and that's probably the biggest issue. And, and you're right. Maybe that maybe that is the form that the investment would take. But it's certainly an interesting idea. And I and I must say too, um, I, I I I have to give Blake Blake Nill a lot of credit uh, in the last year uh, with his new uh, recruiting coordinator Shamari Williams out here as well. Um, he has clearly made a concerted effort to be much more boots on the ground in this province 
in various different arenas. Uh, I saw him at uh, one of the high school quarterfinals uh, two weeks ago. Uh, he was at the Canadian Bowl. I know that he had assistant coaches down at BC Place where the high school semifinals well, were Well, he was place. at the high school. Him, Both him and Stephen Bryce from Regina were out at yes. BC Place, and then they came over to Canadian Bowl. Yes. So uh. I, must, I must give him a lot of credit because I have been vocal and, and somewhat critical of them in the past since he's been in town of, I think, overlooking the local area in years past uh and even this even dating to the last year before paul orzetti left i thought blake nil uh clearly made a concerted effort to be more active recruiting locally and i give him full credit for that with a change in budget because he has fewer dollars to work with is that simply a practical adjustment though instead of flying out to ontario x number of times a year to try to recruit from that uh Hamilton, Niagara area? Uh, I mean, it, it is possible. I mean, UBC, it, it wouldn't be, it's not new to Blake Nill that UBC recruits out of Ontario and, and out of out of various Eastern locales. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, he just uh, focused a lot of attention, not just on Ontario, but uh, spent a lot of time in Alberta his first couple years and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, I mean, I can't speak for what's in, in his head. Budget probably motivates a, a fair bit of it. It's a lot easier to go see some local games where you just have to get in the car and then, I mean, obviously the Hilltops coming out here is a really big opportunity for a guy like Blake Nill just to hop in the car and Especially drive over I, and see I, those, those guys. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Hilltops have 15 graduates or something on this team too. Mm -hmm. It's like you you have to, if you're a U-sports coach and you have an opportunity to see them in your town against probably the best competition that they're facing all year, mm -hmm. get out and see them and be a part of that and have those conversations. Absolutely. And, and Especially see, with, 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 some, uh, with some CJFL award winners also brought into town as well. Yeah. There, there's great opportunities for discussions. There. Well, and, and UBC too has, has long had a, a, a very back and forth relationship with the Lang Rams as well in that there's mm -hmm. been a lot of players that have played for both organizations and coaches. one way or the other. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah for example yeah exactly so um yeah i mean it, it's uh i again like i say i don't i don't claim to know what's going on in blake nill's head and what his motivations are but i will say between him and the efforts of shamari williams there's been a lot more local outreach and, and they've been a lot more visible in the local scene the last couple of years and i gotta give them credit for that because as i've said many times they are the university of british columbia if they are not a a significant factor for every major bc recruit then they are doing something wrong in my opinion mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, BC teams, uh, Simon I thought you were going to transition to the Phil Pots. No, there. no. So Simon yeah. Fraser went out with a bit of a whimper uh, at the end of this uh, season. Uh, lost to Central, a perennial powerhouse. Yeah. In division yeah, scheduled two of the this no Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, your thoughts on just where Thomas Ford's team is at heading into next year? Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they get their uh, their quarterback Justin Siebert back. Um, but the pieces are clearly in place. I think when you are a coach uh, who is fairly new in his program and in the midst of his first cycle, every year you should expect some, some level of, of relative progression as you get guys into the program that are your guys. And, and uh, we have been quite impressed with the level of recruiting that Coach Ford has managed to, to pull off at Simon Fraser with not necessarily a lot going for him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, he's got, uh, he managed to pull uh, Bailey Elder, for example, a big time recruit. Now this is a guy he coached in high school, which is where the connection was. But uh, Bailey Elder was a legitimate 
two, three-star recruit in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. uh, a guy that should be in the FBS. He pulls him to Simon Fraser. I mean, if he and he and Siebert was a guy who was just in his second year as well, who was a Tom Ford recruit too. So yeah, well, he was uh, selected as the top quarterback in Western Washington in his in his mm -hmm. senior year in high school. So. Exactly. Yeah. So if if Ford is able to continue to use his connections in the Washington high school scene to pull impactful guys out of that state, uh, if he's able to continue pulling some of the top guys out of this province, the Kremler family, for example, comes to mind. You know, Ryzen John is not a guy he recruited, but that guy was huge for them this year. I think that's going to be the biggest question for for Simon Fraser is who's going to be their guy mm -hmm. on offense with Bryson John gone because for the last two years that's very clearly been his role. Whenever they need a play, it's it's put it up there and let the big guy go get it. Yeah, I'd like to uh, like to see him in a BC Lions uniform next year, adding additional depth in the uh, Canadian receiver you know, department. It's funny actually, the Lions have a lot of issues. All of a sudden, Canadian receiving is the least of their yeah. issues. Yeah, uh, Javon Katoy, we mentioned earlier in the program, Shaq he's, Johnson. Been, he's yeah. been fantastic. Shaq Johnson as well. Lamar Durant went over a thousand yards and got a payday this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, their Canadian receiving looks to be one of the strengths of their team actually at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, if there's anybody in the CFL that needs needs Bryson John, the Lions are probably close to the bottom of that list now. But uh, yeah, it would be nice to see him locally. And, and I just there's always going to be room for a guy like that who has movement skills, and he's developed so much as a football player. Like, I saw this guy in high school, mm -hmm. and he was a basketball player playing football. Mm -hmm. He could go up and get jump balls down the sidelines, but he didn't offer much else other than size and the ability to get vertical. Uh, and now you, he still got some work to do for sure. And, and I, I got to be honest with the size of his frame, and he's already been profiled on NFL Draft Diamonds, which focuses on under-the-radar guys. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get a look south of the line as mm -hmm. well. Um, but, yeah, he, he's uh, he's an impressive player. Before we go, let's talk about uh, Calgary. And first of all, should we be surprised that perhaps the two strongest areas in terms of producing uh, minor and high school football talent in this country, and we'll throw CJF in there too, the city of Montreal and the city of Calgary mm -hmm. are facing each other in the Vanier Cup. Uh, second of all, uh, you know, the Calgary Dinos, uh, I've got a lot of time for Wayne Harris. Mm -hmm. And I've got a lot of time for the, uh, for the uh, coaching staff yep. uh, at, the, at the University of Calgary. The one thing that, that really screams to me is integrity and consistency in that program. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and maybe the, uh, maybe the biggest difference between what we were just describing with the BC recruiting scene and the University of Calgary, the the, the one wedge issue was the Philpots going to Calgary. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that caused UBC and Blake Neal all kinds of headaches as a as a result of that recruiting move. I mm -hmm. think they thought that the Philpots were going to go to uh, yep. going to go to UBC and. Uh, and those two, even though there's a lot of talent on that Calgary team, as we saw in this past uh, weekend, uh, they may have been the difference in that game. We, we saw yeah. how much of a difference they were at the World Championship. They were head and shoulders above that whole field at the World Championship in 2018. Yeah. Well, and it's worth mentioning, too, like, you know, we're starting to see more and more names from that team pop up as impactful U Sports players. Carl Chabot is a, is a consistent contributor at mm -hmm. uh, Montreal. He was mm -hmm. on that team. Uh, they just beat Gordon Mowali and, and Acadia. He was a consistent contributor on that team. So, I mean, there Dimitri was Dimitri Morad was from the 2016 team that, yeah. that won. Well, uh, and, of course, Andreas Duick, yeah. the McMaster quarterback. So we actually yeah. had Canadian national team alums from that Mexico City tournament uh, headlining offenses on all four Final Four teams in U-Sports yeah. this year. Yeah. 
by which I mean to say, uh, you know, you sports coaches, you should be all over that level and uh, making sure that your guys participate. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's, um, I mean, the, the Phil Potts were very clearly when they were coming out of high school were, um, you know, generational is a word that gets really overused these days. But, mm -hmm. but you know, once in every t uh, 10 years or so, probably level prospects coming out of, coming out of BC high school how, football. How did they I mean, get missed? Missed in the States? Yeah. How did uh, that, they get missed? That's a question that still puzzles me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I don't know a lot of what was going on behind the scenes. I mean, they um, were down I mean, at the International Bowl in Texas. Uh -huh. And the best Rice could do was send them a letter. And Rice is just down the road from Arlington. Well, and they but, have like, the ability you know, They have the ability to uh, have dual citizenship. I'm not yeah. sure whether they do or not. But they certainly, with their dad being an American, they, yeah. they have the ability to have dual citizenship. So um, that should have re removed one of the biggest barriers that Canadian players usually face, which is the extra cost involved to get them down there mm -hmm. as international students. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know, like there's, there's a pedigree there. Dad was a professional football player, played in the SEC. Um, you know, they, they're athletes. They're not massive, but I mean, their you look at their movement and ball skills and, and I don't know how anybody could question that they could potentially play at, at least an FCS level. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, they weren't necessarily coming from one of the marquee programs in this province, although it's a program that plays at the top level. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it still puzzles me to this day. It puzzles me at the time. It still does. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've certainly performed just as expected for the Calgary Dinos. Uh, I know Tyson struggled with some injury issues for a good chunk of this season. But when they've been on the field, they've been very dynamic. And, and I'm sure Adam Snagger has very much appreciated having them around. So, um, yeah. I, it, I can see some big plays coming out of them at, uh, at uh, Vanier Cup, whether it's on special teams or on the offensive side of the ball. That's one of the reasons why why I made the pick on the uh, on the show this week, 28-16. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the other reason is, you know, the idiosyncratic uh, Montreal offense. Mm -hmm. uh, and while there will be a lot of talk about the secondary and the defense uh, for Montreal, there's some solid talent on that uh, on that uh, Calgary defensive side of the ball. And, uh, and uh, the... the uh, the uh, McDonald's are, are, are two guys that uh, come to mind. Yeah, uh, Grant McDonald in particular has been yeah. uh, fantastic this year. Should be should get an All-Canadian nod and another guy who has performed as expected. And I mean, you talked about a tipping point being pulling the Philpots out of, out of BC. Well, if you look at that Calgary roster, though, like Wayne Harris has managed to pull a number of impactful guys out of BC, and none the least of which is two of his starting linebackers, both out of Delta here, mm -hmm. uh, McDonald and Blake Gow. And yeah. actually with the Philpots being from the north side of Delta and those guys being from the south side of Delta, he's got quite the Delta connection yeah. going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's another McDonald who's in grade 12 right now, uh, who was, I guess he's not going to UBC. <laughs> yeah. Who was an absolute superstar in high school this year before breaking his collarbone towards the tail end of the year in Ben McDonald. Yeah. I could very easily see heading out to Calgary to join both of his older brothers as well. And, and in the past, though he's gone now, their cousin. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a good little pipeline that, uh, that Wayne Harris has built up to one of, the, one of the top programs here in BC and certainly one of the top programs in terms of producing individual athletes. Well, you know, we try to do this on a national basis, but we've been focused a lot on BC. Before we go here, uh, seeing that uh, uh, you've been doing some work with CFC, and of course you're, uh, you're a coach in BC High School football, uh, name a couple of guys that we should look out for uh, uh, as seniors coming out of BC High School football this year. 
Uh, okay, well, there's a, there's uh, a few. Uh, Nolan Ulm is a guy up in up in Kelowna. He's who, great at the Canada Cup. Yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, and and who likely will be able to go down south. It's interesting, actually. I found out like he was at the Canada Cup because he played spring flag ball on mm -hmm. uh, the Kelowna organization, so he had his football Canada membership and was able to go to Canada Cup. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he will likely go down south the line, I think. But if somebody's able to keep him at home, he'll be a kid who's instantly impactful. And uh, from what I hear from from his his coaches, this is a guy that just the, the truly great ones are just different. Yeah, like they're, they're just kind of different cats, and he fits into that mold. He's the type of guy that gets up at five thirty a.m. and criticizes his father for not getting up till six fifteen. <laughs> like that's that's the type of guy that he is. He's always looking for something to work on to get better. The, the, and, and that's the thinking of guys that come out of the interior though, and possibly going stateside. I, I can see some comparisons as an athlete between him and Taylor Loeffler. Yep. Like like it, it just. It just screamed to me when I was Loeffler's watching. Loeffler is definitely a name that comes up. Ohm is uh, as much of an athlete as Taylor Loeffler uh, in 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 terms of explosiveness. He may actually even be a little bit slightly better. But Taylor Loeffler was a better all-around football player, yeah. and he was in high school too. Like Nolan mm -hmm. Ohm does not play a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. They actually bring him in to, to play rush end sometimes because yeah. he's such an athlete. Yeah. But realistically, he's he's usually an offensive focused guy. Um, but he's a guy to talk about. Uh, Jason Soriano at mm -hmm. Vancouver College is a kid that just uh, I was just named the MVP of the province this year. Uh, he looks like a keeper. Um, uh, the um, oh, what the heck's his name? Keyshawn Carter, I think, is his name at St. Thomas More is another one who's who's uh, got a good body type. He's a defensive lineman uh, and and has some really good explosiveness at St. Thomas More. Um, and, and then Ben McDonald's the other name that comes to mind for me, who's, who's a, a clear, real superstar as well. So, um, it, it, yeah, there, there's, there's, a, there's a fair amount of talent uh, coming out this year, and uh, certainly be interesting to see, but those are some names to, to focus on for sure. Well, next week we get to put a bow on, uh, on the U-Sports season. By the way, what you calling the Grey Cup? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I really like what Winnipeg's got going on. Um, it, you know, it, it's been, it, unfortunately, it's kind of been the backup of the, of, or the battle of the backup quarterbacks for a lot of these top teams. Mm -hmm. But Dane Evans has played really well since Basoli's gone down for Hamilton as well. They've really rolled the second half of the season. I just, I don't know. I, I, Winnipeg just has so many guys that have wanted this and, and been battling yeah. for this for so long. Even though um, they seem outmatched on paper to Hamilton and they've lost to Hamilton twice this year. Mm -hmm. You know the old saying: it's pretty hard to beat a football team three times in a season. There is, and 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 you've got it. There's just a little bit of little bit of magic to Winnipeg's game right now too. They went on the road, beat Calgary. Went on the road, beat Saskatchewan. You know those are two tough places to play on the road, but they managed to find a way to get it done. And they, you know, they have superstars on both sides of the ball. I mean, Adam Bighill's playing the best football of the season right now. Uh, Andrew Harris continues to be Andrew Harris. Uh, it just. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I can't get my finger off of off of the Blue Bombers right now. Um, they remind me, and this is maybe before your time. The 1994 BC Lions, where they patched together something mm -hmm. with two quarterbacks. They yep. had some key players on on defense yep. uh, that 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 stepped up. Yep. Uh, they had they had some great running backs on that. That's exactly team. what I was thinking. Yeah, of, yeah they, they remind I mean, they, me of the '94 they, Lions. They won in, went into Edmonton and won, and then they went into Calgary and won, and they were yeah. both absolute classics. Yeah. And then they Heart ultimately won games. at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the the uh, Grey Cup being out west as well, I think in a place that Winnipeg just played two weeks ago probably helps just a little bit. And mm -hmm. 
Um, so that I would probably say that's my pick, and I know that that's a bit of an upset special. So I guess that's the upset special for me. But. Uh, I've got I've got friends who are affiliated with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Actually, I got friends that are affiliated with the Ticats too. So I hope they're not listening to this. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean, lean to the Bombers because it's been such a drought for them. Do you know, by the way, I, I saw this mentioned today, it didn't occur to me, but th this is actually the two longest droughts in the CFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that uh, Hamilton, I don't believe, is one since 1997. And fun fact, Danny McManus was on both the most recent Grey Cup winners for both of these franchises. And, 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 and speaking, of the, speaking of the 1994, uh, BC and as usual, a special shout out to our friends at CFL Reddit who uh, managed to push this out on all the available channels. Thanks very much.